Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Just a few verses from reading from verse 5. Luke chapter 1, beginning to read from verse 5. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias. He was of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people, they were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute, and you will not be able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias, and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And so it was as soon as the days of his service was completed that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach amongst the people. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful story that is. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll bless your word to us this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, it's this time of the year again when we, our minds think of that first Christmas, almost 2,000 years ago, when the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Ancient prophecy had said that a Messiah would be born. 
pinpointed the place where he would be born, Bethlehem in Judea. Also pinpointed that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so it's only right that we remember this time of the year that God so loved the world. Amen? That he gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever might believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. On Thursday, I was uh, down at the school down here. It was their nativity. And uh, after the children had performed so well, and it was great to see so many of our children down there in the performance of children who come here, so it was great to see them taking part. The head teacher stood up and said, we must never ever forget the reason for the season. We must never forget the real reason for Christmas. Friends, let's never take the Christ out of Christmas. It's not Xmas, it's Christmas. He is the reason for the season. And so as our minds are thinking about the birth of the Savior of the world, tucked in the Gospel of Luke prior to the birth of the Lord Jesus, is this account in Luke that we've read together today of the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, who would bring, who would be the parents of John the Baptist. You know, friends, when I was thinking about this morning, a title in the middle of the night came to me, and it was this. And this is what I want to share this morning. A message from God that changed his life. A message from God that changed his life. There's got to be something powerful about a message that changes your life, hasn't there? I thank God, friends, we have a message that changes lives. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so powerful that Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel, for it is God's power to bring salvation to those who receive it. And so we've got a wonderful message. The gospel is good news. And so this morning, I believe that God can create faith in our hearts as we are here this morning for us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you? And this message, this simple message, I really believe can change lives this morning. And people can go out of here different to what they did when they came in with a new hope, a new joy, a new peace, a new assurance. Glory to God. The Bible tells us that Zacharias was a priest. And he was married to a woman called Elizabeth, and they had no children. Elizabeth couldn't bear children. The Bible also tells us that they were both, Zacharias and Elizabeth, well advanced in years. And the likelihood of them ever having children had a long time passed. They were no longer expecting to have children. The Bible says they were both righteous. They were both living right before God and before man. They were walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. And Zacharias, in his priestly office, was chosen by lot, as we've read this morning, 
to burn incense at the altar of God in the temple at Jerusalem. You know, it's so easy for us to just skip over those words without really beginning to understand what it, what, what it was all about. It's so easy for us to just think that an incidental reference and, and some, uh, you know, uh, and pass on without getting into some of the detail that's hidden underneath this verse. He was chosen to burn incense at the altar of God. In the days of Zacharias, there was something like 18,000 priests who served the temple in Jerusalem. 18,000. Now it's obvious that 18,000 priests couldn't be serving in the temple at the same time. And so they were divided into 24 divisions. Of around about 750 priests in each division. Each division served on rotation. One week at a time, twice a year. And we read here that Zacharias was of the division of Abiathar. So twice a year, for one week, this division would serve in the temple in Jerusalem. Once so that every year the 18,000 priests would be serving in the temple twice a year. The duty of burning incense was the job that every one of these priests sought after. Because it took them into the very temple itself right up to the Holy of Holies, to where the altar of God was. And this was a job that every priest sought after, to have this choice of burning incense at the altar. The burning of incense in the temple, it took place at nine o'clock in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon. When the priest would go into the temple and as we've read today, all the people would be congregated outside of the temple and the priests would burn incense to the Lord. In order to decide which priest would do it, a lot was cast. I don't know how they did it. I don't know if it was a dice. I don't know. It just says the lot was cast. So 750 priests and the lot was cast as to which priest for one day would burn incense at 9 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's interesting that this was a once-in-a-lifetime job. You would only do it once, and if the priest had done it once, he would never, ever be chosen to do it again. So it was a once-in-a-lifetime job of this burning incense. A Levitical priest would enter into service when he was 30 years of age. He would retire when he was 50. So for 20 years he would serve as a priest. The Bible tells us that Zacharias was nearer the age of 50 
than he was 30. In fact, the Bible says he was well advanced in years. And it's very clear that he had served all the years from the age of 30 as a priest. And he had never ever been picked for this high job of burning incense at the altar of God in the temple in Jerusalem. That was until this day. And we read in verse 8, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. So this day he was picked to do the job. And it was whilst he was in the temple doing this duty of burning incense at the altar before the Holy of Holies, that suddenly he realizes he's not alone. And he sees the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, one who stands in the presence of God. And when he sees him, he is filled with fear. We can gain many valuable lessons from the life of Zechariah the priest that will encourage us and inspire us as we serve and as we walk with God in, a, in our ministries. This morning, I just want to mention a few. The first one is this. Zechariah kept serving in spite of disappointment. Things hadn't really worked out for Zechariah and Elizabeth as they thought that they would. They had longed to have children, and they both knew the pain of what it was like to want children and not be able to have them. The sound of infant laughter and the patter of little feet had never been heard in their home. And to say that Zacharias and Elizabeth were disappointed really would be an understatement. I want to suggest to you they were both devastated that they couldn't have children. The Bible talks about it being a reproach. And when John was finally born, Elizabeth rejoiced and said, you have taken away my reproach from amongst the people. In other words, it was a stigma in those days if a woman was without child, who was known to be barren. It was a stigma. Yet despite of their disappointment, the Bible tells us that they were both still found serving God. Walking in all the commandments of the Lord, blameless. They were living their lives, despite of their disappointment, rightly before God and before men. There was no blame attached to God. They weren't saying to God, why is it? They weren't even questioning God. There was something in Zacharias and Elizabeth that caused them to believe in the sovereignty of God. That like Paul, although they didn't understand it, they knew that all things were working together for good to those who loved God. There was an acceptance that God knew what he was doing. 
although they didn't understand it. I wonder this morning, friends, are you living with disappointment? Disappointment comes to us all in different ways, in different measures. Perhaps things haven't quite worked out the way that you thought they were going to work out. And life for you has given you some cruel blows. You know, you might be living with sickness. And you prayed for a loved one to be healed because you see the pain and the suffering that they're living with. And you've prayed many times and yet the healing hasn't come. And you don't understand why. When perhaps you look around and others have been healed and yet your loved one still remains sick and unwell. You perhaps have prayed for a lot of years for someone, a husband or a wife who doesn't know Jesus as the Savior, and still they're not in the kingdom of God. And it seems that, you know, will they ever give their lives to Christ? And you've lived with the disappointment of being unequally yoked in a home with a, an unsafe partner for, for many years, or a child that you've born and you've seen that child grow up, and now that child's gone away, and really gone away from God. And There seems to be no answers to the prayers that you've prayed and you've lived with disappointment. Maybe you can't understand the hurt and the pain that you've gone through. Really, through circumstances and situations that have been no fault of your own. But they've left you disappointed. They've left you disappointed perhaps in people who you expected more from. People perhaps who should have known better. You know, disappointment when it comes with life not turning out as we once thought it would turn out, it brings with it a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. The Bible says hope deferred. It makes the heart sick. But the wonderful thing is, this morning, we are here. And despite all of the disappointments that life might have thrown at you, Like Zacharias and Elizabeth, thank God we still found serving God. We still found with our faith intact. Maybe this morning you might be disappointed in your ministry, in your service for God. When you look at your life's ministry and your service for God, you might be disappointed that you might be saying, well, it hasn't borne much fruit. I've been faithful to God, I've been committed to God, but really my my ministry and my service for God hasn't borne much fruit. Here we have a man who, from the age of 30, year after year, he'd gone up to Jerusalem, to the temple, twice a year, hoping to be picked. He had 14 chances every year to be picked. Hoping to be picked, and yet every year he'd gone home disappointed that he hadn't been chosen. But despite of his disappointment, every year Zachariah, Zacharias continued to serve. He continued to hope, believing God that one day the breakthrough would come. The breakthrough in his ministry would come. The Bible says, do not grow weary 
in doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. You know, friends, sometimes as we serve God, we are desperately in need of a breakthrough in our ministries, aren't we? Desperate to see God breaking through in our service that we are doing for Him. In all the time that Zechariah was serving, he was holding on to God in prayer. Persisting in what he knew to be true and holy. Zechariah got a breakthrough in his service for one reason and one reason alone. Because he never gave up. He kept on going. One man described success in this way. He said, success is doing the right thing long enough. Let me tell you, friends, if you do the right thing long enough, you will get a breakthrough. You will see God at work. You know, we are living in an age that's dominated by the instant. There are some things in God that we will only get through patience, We'll only get through perseverance and faithfulness to the promises of God that he has given to us. In our service for the Lord, in just the ordinary days. You know, yesterday was an ordinary day. It was a Saturday and yet people were found serving the Lord. It was just an ordinary day. We must encourage our souls to do the right thing with an attitude of persistence And gratitude that one day the breakthrough is going to come. If we do, sooner or later, let me tell you, God will give us a breakthrough in our ministry. We will see what we are longing for and hoping for. Maybe this morning you're living with the disappointment of unanswered prayer. If we were to put our hands up this morning, how many of us have prayed for things? And yet our prayers have remained unanswered. It's obvious this this couple had prayed. The first thing that Gabriel said to Zechariah when he stood before him, he said, your prayer has been heard. Now friends, I might be silly, but as a young man and as a young woman, I guess they prayed for children. But when they got to their age, I I wonder, they'd stop praying for children because they were both well advanced in years. You don't pray for a a child when you're nearly 50, do you? We prayed, Lord, let it never happen. (laughs) You don't pray for a child when you're 50. Friends, let me tell you, God has heard your prayer. And let me tell you this morning, God always hears your prayer. He answers your prayer. But sometimes the answer is not now. Sometimes... It's wait a bit. Sometimes God might say, if I was to answer this prayer, it wouldn't be for your ultimate good. Because he knows best. I think a lot of us here today are living on the amber. Waiting for God to answer prayer. But I want to encourage you this morning. Friends, God has heard your prayer. And you might be here this morning disappointed because you are living with an answered prayer. I want to encourage your heart this morning that God has heard. We need to believe his word that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Hallelujah. Let's believe the word of God and not the circumstances that exist. 
The second thing I learned from Zacharias, Zachariah was this. What looked like look was actually the Lord. What looked like look was actually God. Suddenly, after all that time, after all those years, Zachariah is called. Zach, your name's come up. The lot was cast and Zach's name come up. You're up, Zach. You know, friends, to the onlooker, the casting of lots looks like look, whatever way the dice falls. But I want to tell you, friends, as we read and as this story unfolds, we realize that look has nothing to do with it. We realize that God's plans and God's purposes are being worked out. As Zechariah goes into the temple, God has a message for him. The angel of the Lord is waiting to deliver that message. It says there in verse 11, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Friends, this was not a coincidence that Zacharias was chosen to burn incense at that moment of time. Let me tell you, it was a God incident. It was God's time to bring his plans and his purposes to pass. It was the right time to, for God to answer this prayer that seemed to have been held for years for a child. I've come to realize in my life that there are many things that happen to us that are not coincidences at all, but God incidences. I look back to a November nine, uh, to a time in 1969, 19 years of age, walking down Willington Main Street, and I bump into Colin Newell, who I'd never seen for years. And he says to me, I've started to go to church in Bishop Auckland. We went to Sunday school together. He said, would you come with us? I said, yes. Then tried to get out of it as much as I could. <laughs> but I look back at that meeting, what might seem like a chance meeting, and realize, friends, it was a God incident. Someone said that on small hinges, great doors are hung. Great doors of opportunity. And I, I just feel, friends, that it, th those seemingly chance things that happen to us in our lives, if we are to believe God and the word that God has for us, God declares that he orders our steps. Man makes his plans... But it's God who directs his steps. And it seems to me that each day that we live is an opportunity for God to show up. Perhaps if we had the, the courage to open our eyes, 
and open our ears, we would find that in the seemingly insignificant events that happen to us on a daily basis, in the people and the things that happen to us, that God has ordered some things. That God is bringing his plans and his purposes to pass for our good. You know, you might be here this morning. As far as you're concerned, you're here by chance. Or someone's invited you. Or you've heard about new life. You're here for perhaps different types of reasons. Maybe you are here because this day you're going to hear something from God that can change your life forever. Maybe, friends, you will never, ever forget this day as long as you live. Because God has ordained something that is far, far bigger than you ever imagined. A message from God that can change your life forever. The third and final thing I notice that Zachariah's life had a greater significance than he thought. He prayed for a child, and now God had answered that prayer. However, Gabriel showed him that God's plan was much bigger than just having a child. He would have a son, but one day this son that he would have would grow up and he would prepare the way of the Lord. He would be the forerunner of the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world. He would prepare his path. Jesus referred to this child that Zacharias and Elizabeth would have in this way. One day Jesus was talking and he said, Amongst those who are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. In other words, Jesus was saying out of all the people that have been born in the world, John's the greatest. This wasn't just about Zacharias and Elizabeth. It wasn't even about Israel. Friends, it was about the world. And it was about the love that God had for this world in one day sending his son. I want to say to you this morning, friends, that your life is bigger and more significant than you think as you sit here. I think of that Sunday school teacher who faithfully, week after week, taught that unruly set of young lads that were sent his way every week. And then one day, one of those young lads, sitting in a Sunday school class, he'd sat in for years, Suddenly, the light shines in his heart, and he gives his life to Christ. That young man was Billy Graham, the, one of the world's greatest evangelists, who's seen millions put their trust in Christ. How significant, insignificant that Sunday school teacher must have thought, eh? Doing this week after week didn't realize he had eternity in his hands of hundreds and thousands of lives. It's true, friends, that God is interested in the intimate details of our lives. But he also wants to lift our vision. He wants to lift our vision away from ourselves, from us. It's not just about us. He wants to lift our vision to the locality where we live. This Tees Valley. 
Friends, I believe we can have great significance and impact in this Tees Valley. He wants to lift our eyes to the local communities where God has served us, called us to serve. And even from the local to the national. I believe, friends, that as a church, as a body of God's people, we can have an impact upon the national. Amen. Something significant can happen. And even from the national to the global. Hallelujah. Friends, there is great significance amongst us this morning. We are people, we heard it from Stuart a few weeks ago, who've got influence. And it's bigger than we think. I believe the plans and purposes of God are bigger than just mere survival. Or the luxury of success, whatever success might look like. I believe God's heart is to enlarge us to a place of understanding, a place of significance, a place of legacy, a place of investment and eternity. You know, the badge that we have on our car, and I know you make fun of it, but mine's a BMW. Let me tell you, it, it, gives, it doesn't matter one jot what badge we've got on our car. It doesn't matter one jot what house we live in. It doesn't matter one jot about the, the significance that we crave or the attention that we seek. Friends, it's all temporal. One day, all of that will just fade into insignificance. It will become like dust. But let me tell you, friends, his plans and his purposes will last forever. Hallelujah. When Zacharias walked out of the temple that day, he'd had a message from God that changed his life. He knew he would never be the same again. When you receive something from God, you know you'll never be the same again. People will know it too. When he walked out of the temple that day, that multitude that were there waiting, they knew he'd had an encounter with God. And friends, when you have an encounter with God, let me tell you, others will know about it. Others will come to know that you've had an encounter with the living God. His world looked very different now. Hope filled his heart. The years of waiting seemed like just a few seconds in comparison to the joy that he now experienced. He'd had a message from God that changed his life. And I want to tell you this morning, God's message can change your life. Let me tell you, friends, God loves you and he wants you to know that. You are loved by God this morning. Loved with an everlasting love. You, you might have people who love you, but let me tell you, there's nobody loves you like Jesus does. You are loved by God. God wants you to know this morning that you're on his radar. If he was to say anything to you this morning, he'd say, I know all about you. I know everything you've done. I know you're down sitting and when you stand up again, when you go out and when you come in, I know everything about you. And I want to tell you this morning, because I know everything about you, I know the, you warts and all. I still love you. God wants you to know that you're unique. You are unique this morning. There is not a sparrow that falls to the ground, the Bible says, that he doesn't know about. God wants you to know that you are more value to him than many sparrows. There'll never be another you. Aren't you glad about that? 
there will, you are unique. You are fearfully, you're wonderfully made. Friends, God also wants you to know he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not here by chance. We're in this world for purpose. And God wants you to know he's got plans for you. He's got a purpose for your life. That you're not just drifting aimlessly without a ship, without a rudder. That God's got a plan and a divine blueprint. And the moment you give your life to Jesus, you begin to enter into all that God has for you. His plans and his wonderful purposes. And God wants you to know this too. That there's not one sin he can't forgive. He has the power to forgive sin. To wash us clean. To give us a brand new start. If we could turn the clock back, how many of us would? But we can't. But he can. The Bible says he can restore to us the years that the locust has eaten. Those wasted years, God can restore them. A message from God can change our lives. And as Christians here, this Christmas time, we've all got a message from God that can change people's lives out there. But they're never going to know about it unless we tell them. Unless we share it with them. Perhaps you could be the catalyst to bring about a divine encounter with God into someone's life this Christmas time. Let's not hold our peace, but let's share the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. Let's pray together.